Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. I've got a very, very, very special bonus episode today where I'm going to chat about Netflix 2022 murder mystery Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. It's directed by Ryan Johnson. It stars Daniel Craig, Edward Norton, Janelle Monae, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, Madeline Klein, Kate Hudson, and Dave Batista. I am Jesse. I am writing here solo to bring you this special bonus episode for one of 2022's most anticipated films. Uh, I know I understand that this hasn't actually released on Netflix as of release of this podcast. I'm going to spoil bits and pieces, but I'm going to do my best to not give away big parts of the mystery. So if uh, you're keen, you've seen the original Knives Out film, you're really keen for this one, my suggestion would probably be to wait until you've seen the film before you listen to this. But if you want like a a bit of an episode that goes through the whole film without giving away massive um, amounts of of the the twists and things like that, then stay around. Um, That is your warning though. So let's get into this. We start the show with the fast flicks where we do a quick little summary of what the film is all about. So this one, it's a mega uber rich dude lures his friends to a private island for a murder mystery night, but all doesn't go to plan. All right, set the scene. Let's uh, let's talk about this film. This is a sequel, obviously, to Knives Out from 2019. So how did this one get picked up by Netflix? How did it get made? All that sort of stuff. So as I said, sequel featuring Daniel Craig, Taking on a new case from the 2019 film, the sequel was greenlit by the original distributor Lionsgate in 2020, but in March of 2021, Netflix outbid Amazon and Apple at an auction to acquire the rights to the film and another sequel to Knives Out for $469 million. <laughs> a lot of uh, commentary from the film industry saying, you know, absolutely ridiculous that you'd pay that much money for two films. but. Netflix did it, and we'll see if it sort of uh, pays dividends uh, as this continues to be released across the world. On that deal, apparently the the director um, and the producer uh, and one of the writers as well earned more than $100 million for both these films that are coming out. So big money being splashed around uh, for this film and for the rights and the characters. So the cast signed on in May of 2021, and filming took place on islands of Greece between June and July of 2021. Netflix, they reportedly considered a new release model for this film, and other films like Glass Onion, where they would give the film a 45-day window in theaters before it being released on the streaming service of Netflix. However, on October 6th of 2022, Netflix announced that they signed deals with the three largest theater chains in the United States of America with AMC Theaters, Regal, and Cinemark, the later who Netflix already had a deal with. The film would then see a limited one-week theatrical release billed as a sneak preview from November 23 to November 29 in about 600 theaters in the largest markets across the US, as well as a few other international markets too. This marked the first time that a Netflix distributed film would be shown in all three major chains in America, which is very interesting. Big deal, obviously a lot of faith in this film too. The actual title of this film, Glass Onion, it refers to a Beatles song from the White Album, and the song itself teases various myths about the band The Beatles. 
and it sort of fits this film's title, I guess, with uh, <laughs> the, the, the idea of uh, myths and uh, mysteries. I guess the, the first Knives Out too, it's worth noting, was also titled after a song, um, the Radiohead song from their album Amnesiac. <laughs> Amnesiac. Oh, God. Can't speak today. Uh, there's a couple things about the casting in this film. Um, Kaylee Cuco from The Big Bang Theory, she auditioned early on for the role that Kate Hudson eventually took. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is, is in this film. Um, he does the, the sound of this alley dong. Um, didn't know that at the time of watching, but it is quite a humorous thing throughout this film. Um, I'm recording this pretty early on, I guess, um, from the the opening week of this being in theatres. So the official results aren't out, and realistically, Netflix don't officially release box office data anyway. But if they did, it's supposedly said that Glass Onion would have been three at the box office, number three um, at the North American box office with about 13 million bucks, which is really, really good for about a $19,000 per screen average. Black Panther Wakanda making about 65 million and Strange World, the new Disney animated film at number two with 18 and a half million. So Thanksgiving day weekend across America, North America, this big, good results. You'd really think that Netflix were happy with this and possibly maybe thought they should have let it have a bit of a longer run even, or put it on big more screens because, um, you know, that they'll be happy with that. Translations across the world. This is this is the part that I really like to talk about. We, we discuss what's this film called in other languages. So a couple of uh, interesting things that I don't think quite translate well. So in French speaking language, it's called Glass Onion, A Tale at Loggerheads. Okay, that, that makes sense. This one um, gives us a bit of context about the, the character names. So in China, it's called Detective by Lang, stripping the cocoon. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what the cocoon is, but that's all good. Uh, but I'm guessing that uh, um, Daniel Craig's character is called Detective Bai Lang in, in uh, China. In Hungary, it's called, put bluntly, the glass onion. In Israel, it's called a well-written murder, a Greek mystery, uh, in reference to being set in Greece, I'm guessing. Um, in Spanish, it's called daggers in the back. In Taiwan, it's called front and back turn peeling off the cocoon. So again, uh, the cocoon obviously is this translation for the glass onion. Uh, in Turkey, it's called Blades Drawn, a mysterious adventure. Thailand, this is one of the better ones. It's called Fun Murder, Who Killed a Friend? <laughs> I really like that one. Um, and obviously it's referred to as Knives Out too, uh, in various places around the world too, as a bit of a subtext to this film. Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about some awards already. I mean, I know it's early on, but uh, it has already won two awards, which is quite interesting. So it won the audience choice for feature film at the Chicago International Film Festival. And it also won for Collaborator Award for Rian Johnson and Bob Dusquet at the Middlebug Film Festival. So two awards. This was reportedly, reportedly cost $40 million to make. 40 mil, it's a, it's a good budget, um, and there's a lot of uh, effects in this, a lot of practical ones which are done really well too. This did debut at the Toronto International Film Festival on the 13th of September, 2022. It's played a whole bunch of other festivals before, as I mentioned, the 23rd of November, 2022, a one week theatrical release, Netflix widest ever, before it hits Netflix on the 23rd of December. So just in time for Christmas. And I think the rewatchability of this film will probably draw a lot of people that have already seen it back in again too. What are the critics and audiences saying already? This, this is huge. This on Rotten Tomatoes from critics sits on 93%. That's on 222 reviews, certified fresh. The audience has it at exactly the same. Also 93% on more than 500 reviews. IMDb, an 8.1. 
out of 10 on 6,500 ratings. And on Letterboxd, it sits on a 4.1 out of 5 on 44,500 ratings. So the overall picture of this film is super, super positive. For me, what are my thoughts? Uh, like, I absolutely love the first film. I th- thought it was fantastic. Uh, I've seen it multiple times and it almost gets better on every single rewatch. So for me, this one, it's funny. It's clever. It needs to be seen with an audience and it definitely needs to be seen again. Uh, just like the first one, rewatches will be so enjoyable. I really, really liked this film. All right, time to talk about some characters from this one. So. Uh, as I said before, I'm going to try my best not to spoil anything. If you've uh, seen the original film, you know who Benoit Blanc is. Benoit Blanc. Um, <laughs> this one's a little bit different. He sort of picks up. Uh, this film is set during the COVID-19 pandemic. So at the, the stage we first see him, he's struggling a bit with not having anything to do during the pandemic. He's sitting in his bathtub. He's playing Zoom games online. A bit like what most uh, you know normal people were doing at that time. Uh, and in this film, it's the complete opposite of what all the ultra-rich are doing. And, and the rest of the characters in this film, all the people that are on this island uh, during this, this mystery, all have uh, financial support behind them. And, and that financial support really comes from this character, Miles, played by Edward Norton. Um, realistically, he's, he's a really dumb, dumb guy. <laughs> um, you know, he, he had this ambition of, of wanting to be remembered in the same breath as Mona Lisa. Uh, and he uses his money and his wealth to support and spoil his friends. Um, and he's done this by organizing a weekend away with them on this Greek island. He's done this for the last eight years. And back in their everyday lives, they all rely on him so much. And that's sort of the gist of this film, I guess. Um, and in comparison, we've got this character, Andy, who is Miles's bitter co-founder. So Miles has kept all the cash. Um, Andy's a bit of the an ex-lover as well, possibly. Um, she's smart, though. She's kept a journal. She's done TED Talks. She's the one that brought Miles into this group. Um, so a real key character in this film is Andy, um, sort of rocks up uh, on this weekend away to everyone's surprise because she's sort of on the outs of this group. Uh, then we've got Claire, who's who's a governor. Um, she's backed by Miles, so the, the political side of things. She needs his financial support, really cares about the headlines and being a politician and how she's received then we talk about Lionel. He's a, he's a scientist. Um, he sort of pushes the boundaries of science. Um, he does seem to have a little bit more of a conscience than a lot of the other characters in this uh, this film that are on this island. He's really important in the fact that, I guess, um, you know, without him, the, the scientific discoveries that Miles wants to, to make and keep building this uh, financial empire wouldn't exist because he's the, the brains behind working out the science of this uh, discovery that, that Miles is really depending on. Um, <laughs> the next one I'll talk about is Birdie. Now, Birdie, played by Kate Hudson, this ex-super famous model, uh, has an assistant called Peg, but Peg doesn't let her use her phone because uh, she's been cancelled so many times for bad tweets um, because she says it how, how she sees it. Uh, I think she's struggling a little bit in this with the reality of being a bit washed up, a little bit um, of of growing old, and in particular compared to Whiskey, who is uh, Duke's partner, played by Dave Bautista. Um, This guy's a men's right influencer. Uh, He talks about boobs and nature and what it means to men, kind of a a negative criticism of a lot of stuff that we're seeing online at the moment. I think his mum in this film uh, has a lot of really good laughs early on. This this guy is super brushed though. He flashes his gun around. Um, and I really think I mentioned Whiskey. I think his partner Whiskey is probably a little bit too good for him. So they're the main gist of the characters. I've, I've tried to talk about them as their characteristics without really saying too much about how they're all involved. Um, and I think that's a really good thing that Rian Johnson does, the director of this film. Uh, 
in the original Knives Out. If you've seen the film Looper as well, that's a great film with uh, Joseph uh, Gordon-Levitt as well. He also did The Last Jedi. I know that a lot of people don't like The Last Jedi, but the style of that film, I thoroughly enjoyed that film. I think that if you leave it to sit for a couple of years, go back and watch it as a standalone film without the the context of that new trilogy, I think, I just think it's a really, really well-made Star Wars film as well. All right, time to talk about some scenes that I really enjoyed in this one. All right, first up, this is the first time I've seen a Netflix original film at the cinemas on the big screen. And the Netflix logo just had this cool different transition. And after doing, you know, nearly 250 Netflix original films, all from the the screen at home, that was just a really surreal and cool experience for me seeing that on the big screen. The opening, there's this uh, split screen as each of the characters are are trying to solve this box that Miles has sent out to them to give them the clue of where they need to meet. I just thought that was so well done. Just the, the different perspectives of each of them trying to work out what was in the box. That was cool. There's, there are a lot of cameos in this film. Um, <laughs> I'm going to mention a few of them in, in scenes that I enjoyed. So I'm not going to give any context as to where they are, but I'll just say who they are and why I liked it because it gave me a smile. So Ethan Hawke on the screen, really enjoyed that. Uh, I think that when Hugh Grant comes on the screen too, I really enjoyed that. Uh, there's this scene where uh, the group sort of are rocking up on the shore, on the boat, and Miles is sitting there playing um, Blackbird by the Beatles on his guitar. Just that that tune, I, that song's been one of my favourites and it's one song that we actually play to put my son to sleep so uh, that was a really cool moment. Um, there's this character called um, Daryl and whenever he wandered onto the screen, you, you're in for a laugh. I thought he was great as well. Uh, by the swimming pool, I'm just going to say um, Benoit Blanc's bathing suit, worth, worth a laugh. Uh, Duke, you've probably seen this in the trailer anyway. He just like shoots his gun poolside, like very, very funny. But then uh, Blunk sort of makes a, uh, a comment about it's quite a piece uh, with a very different meaning. So that was that was funny too, <laughs> I think. Uh, Birdie sort of talks about a lot of the stuff she's been cancelled for. A few of them didn't land. The one that I thought was quite funny was her uh, dressing up as Beyonce for Halloween and not understanding why that's not right. So I thought that was well done. Uh, there's a scene where... Um, Benoit decides to go outside and light up a light up a cigar or a cigarette and uh, the alarms at this house all start going off saying it's a smokeless area keep our, our water clean that was funny uh, <laughs> the, the whole gist of these characters being together was this murder mystery dinner uh, and I won't talk about the actual thing but Blanc you know he wants to know what's the prize for, for solving it what's the prize uh, and he solves it straight away so that was fantastic I think uh the Duke, I sort of mentioned before, he's sort of obsessed with his social medias, but he's got a Google alert set up for the word movies, and he gets thousands and thousands. And the reason is because he likes movies. So I thought that was a nice little little nod to movies. Um, the idea that uh, Benoit doesn't like the game Cluedo or Clue, that was funny. <laughs> uh, just going to say high-level alcoholic kombucha, making someone into a good snooper. That's, that's funny as well. Um, there's a Serena Williams reference where... Uh, you know, she's on the clock for miles. That's funny too. <laughs> These are all comedic moments, I guess. Uh, the idea that Birdie thinks a sweatshop is where sweatpants are made, like just highlights the the stupidity of her character. Uh, and finally, we've got this, you know, celebrity endorsed hot sauce that uh, Benoit decides to put on his eyes to make him cry. And he just says, shit balls. <laughs> Very funny. I think I've given some good scenes without giving too much away. So hopefully that, that keeps you in touch. Um, Talk about some themes. There's, there's nothing in this film that I didn't like, so I'm going to talk about some themes and some ideas that this one runs with, and it's got quite a lot. And that's what I really like about the first one too, was the commentary on society that it gave. 
And this one does exactly the same thing. It's all about criticizing the rich of the world. And um, especially in the last couple of years where we've seen lifestyles and, and class differentiated. So the idea or the title of this film of a glass onion, this glass house, it's like almost throwing stones at the super rich. Rich, um, This idea of smashing the wealthy, their entitlement, because um, they have so much money, too much money, and they have these huge places and huge houses and ego and and that privilege of the extreme wealth. They've got, you know, robot dogs, kombucha, limited edition, hot sauce, hiring famous authors to write a murder mystery party. party. The, the idea that the Mona Lisa can be bought um, or borrowed and the idea of throwing money away to sports stars for training too, just these things that you don't need to have a good life. Um, and that sort of leads into, I touched on, this is set during the pandemic and that idea that we see early on from Kate Hudson's character, Birdie, that she's able to breathe again. Um, but we think about it, the, the people with money are probably the ones that were least impacted during the pandemic. You know, you've got politicians complaining about homeschooling. Really, how much of an impact did it have on politicians? Um, you know, Birdie wears this mesh mask instead of a real one, just showing like, you know, I don't follow the rules. I don't care about the rules. Um, and, you know, they, they start off with, they all arrive at this island and they're so rich, they just get this spray in the mouth. Like they don't have to worry about the pandemic. They, they can't get COVID. Imagine having that much money that you, you can be able to do that for your friends. They'd make it, you know, an idea about, you know, hugging. There was a time there where we weren't allowed to hug people <laughs> and these guys just just happily do it and that idea too i said before um a little bit about those sweatpants that birdie makes you know making money off them because everyone else is stuck at home and that, that's allowing her to, to to continue this this rich lifestyle which was a very interesting sort of take they, these characters too they're sort of talked about as being disruptors um you know shaking things up breaking the norm this idea of wanting immortality or being known forever influencers, models, celebrity scientists. These are all people that we've seen a lot of during the pandemic, um, especially tech billionaires and, and politicians too. And they all think they're better than they actually are. Um, and it's, um, this is spoiler, pause it the next 20 seconds if you don't want to hear, but I really loved that they got outdone by a school teacher who, it just brings me great joy. Um, and you've got that idea too of peeling back the onion. Uh, it has so many layers, but the truth, it's crystal clear. These celebrity type people, they're, they're not better than anyone else. And you know, I think that the character that we can sort of highlight this um, this through the most is Duke. I mean, the, a men's right activist, you know, like this realistically, this is good because why do these people exist? They shouldn't. And it's just a joke that they do. Um, and that was quite well done in this film. And then finally, like the idea too of, of friendship. Um, we really see Miles think these people are his friends, um, but that's almost versus the truth. What would you do to protect your friends? Because a lot of his friends are, there to protect him, um, which is interesting. Um, what do I take away from this one? The the Mona Lisa <laughs> in this film is used so effectively. Um, they talk about it sort of almost giving you vertigo. And I almost felt that through the camera work and, and the eyes staring at you throughout this film. So a real clear symbol of wealth and power, one of the most expensive and sought after art pieces in the world, sitting there in the dining hall of a tech billionaire so great use of a piece of artwork there too um there's also some other good artwork around the room too if you i think i need to rewatch it but um in the background it's like kanye west um there's this big portrait of kanye west as well so um some cool little things and i think that the set designers put a lot of work and effort into that that location of miles's house too um imdb there's a there's a segment where we jump on imdb to sort of look up anyone that we don't recognize um 
that, like I said before, there's a variety of cameos in this. And this one's very early on. There's this Zoom call that um, Benoit's having in the bathtub with, with a bunch of famous people who all been involved in sort of murder mysteries or, or crime stories. So straight away, I recognized um, Angela Lansbury from Murder, She Wrote, the chick from the Russian Doll TV show, and then um, Kareem Abdul Basketballer, but I couldn't pick the fourth one. So I had to look up who the fourth person on that Zoom call was, and it was Stephen Sonheim. Um, the, about 12 months ago, we looked at Tick, Tick, Boom. So um, very, very cool to get him in there as well. And, and I think this was his last credited role before he passed away and the same with uh, Angela Lansbury as well. So cool little cameo in this film here. Question time. All right, so, I mean, for me at the end, were the group really doing the right thing by turning against Miles or did they just do it because he couldn't bankroll them anymore? That, that's my main concern because throughout this film, I didn't really get the impression that these guys were actually, as a cast or as a, a group of friends, were actually caring, sharing, nice people. You got that impression that they were just there because of their, the, the the money that they're provided with. So I think, I'm not sure whether this was purposeful, but I didn't feel leave that film feeling uplifted. I left that film going, these guys are just ready to jump ship to whichever side's gonna support them. So um, that's what I'm, and I'm trying to do this very spoiler-less. <laughs> so that's my impression on that. And the other one too, like, you know, I think realistically, Miles' is downfall is coming, but does he have enough wealth to, to get away from it all? It's, it's an interesting uh, concept, I guess, that, does he have enough stashed away that he'd be able to pay for all the biggest and best lawyers in the world? And that's a that's a high possibility, which is quite sad. Um, I'm ready to wrap this up. Ready to, to give this a rating out of five. So for me, I think the original Knives Out, it changed, that, it changed the genre. And a lot of films recently have tried to replicate that. I think this one, again, successfully changes the structure enough of a film to be just as effective. And I think... Yeah, I think, yeah, I definitely think multiple rewatches um, of the original one, like, is not going to impact your ability to enjoy this one. It's it's a completely different story apart from the detective and, and that original one. It is one of my favorite films. And I think once this one hits Netflix later in the year, I'll, I'll probably watch it again and again as well. I think the writing and the structuring of this film are done so well and the threads of such great commentary throughout, I found it extremely funny. If I look back at the scenes that I enjoyed, most of them were humorous ones um, and it was a real breeze to watch. It just flew by. So I'm giving this a five out of five. This, this movie's fantastic. I think um, I was contemplating a four and a half and being like, maybe on a rewatch, I'll, I'll get it up to five, but I can't fault this film. I can't, I can't fault it. So five out of five for me perfect score hopefully this has sort of led you to to want to watch it if you haven't we are on socials we have twitter facebook and instagram i want to put a question out there what are some suggestions for future knives out stories i don't know whether the third film the idea is already locked away but you know we've, we could go with the the un um you know the 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 un sort of um original ideas of on a train or on a boat or maybe jet setting across the world on a plane or maybe in remote outback australia um we could do a skyscraper die hard <laughs> in a in a tower and you can't escape sort of idea i don't know if you've got any good ideas let us know we might uh Ryan johnson might, might see them and want to include them in your film <laughs> as always it's uh it's been great fun talking about this one hopefully you've enjoyed the chat we do have our regular episodes on a Wednesday, including our bonus episodes. We're getting very close to 250 Netflix original films. So if there's one you've seen, uh, there's probably an episode. So give us a search. Thanks for listening and I'll see you soon.